This is the Content Strategy Podcast, and I'm your host, Christina Halverson. On each and every episode, I interview someone I admire who's doing meaningful work in content strategy and all its adjacent disciplines. If you care about making content more useful, usable, and inclusive for all, welcome in. You have found your people. Strategy podcast. Um, wow, do I have a special guest for you today? I'd like to introduce you to Ladrian Goods, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about her now. Uh, as a content design manager at Intuit, Ladrian partners with leaders across disciplines, functions, and design crafts to elevate opportunities for content design to influence and impact product experiences. This is the best line from a bio I've ever read in my life. To continue, she has a BA in communication from UC Santa Barbara and a UX design certification from Career Foundry. Aladrian's powers are storytelling, connecting people, and cultivating inclusive environments. She also loves concerts, traveling, and anything basketball related. Aladrian, welcome to the Content Strategy Podcast. Hello. What's up, Christina? How are you? Super excited to be here. I'm great, and I'm excited for you to be here, too. How are you? I'm good. I'm, you can't see me right now, but I'm literally smiling from ear to ear, and, like, my heart is, like, beaming. I feel like a kid. Ah, well, now <laughs> I'm bouncing up and down out of my chair. It's the <laughs> moment of my entire week. Woohoo! Um, I was saying before we started recording, your bio is, like, the most concise, compelling, well-worded bio I think I've ever read in my life, and it is, like, in fact, you write for a living. Yeah, I think it is. It is true. Well, some of my job is like writing. We are going to get to that. The thing that I usually start off with in every podcast episode is I ask my guests to share a little bit about their journey to content strategy and in your case, content design. Will you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So I got my degree in communication uh, from UC Santa Barbara, like graduated in 2012. And my career started off uh, in Spain, where I was teaching uh, students English, but also like working on like startup projects back in the States. And then when I got back to the States, did like marketing, marketing events, um, some digital marketing, some customer experience type roles at some startups. And ultimately, Ended up in Texas, of all places, after getting laid off from a couple of those roles. And when I was in Texas, I got to figure out, like, all right, I'm at square run, ground zero. What are some things that um, I really want to be able to do? And the three jobs that I started off in, in Texas wasn't anything that I wanted to do. One of them was working at the grocery store at Kroger's, which is... A, a local grocery store in Texas. The other was opening a um, football pro shop for the Dallas Cowboys, which was fun, but it was retail. And then the last one was working in the basement of uh, J.C. Penney, taking phone calls for the stores. Now, like after you know studying in Santa Barbara, like working with all these startups and all these exciting spaces, these weren't any of the jobs on my roadmap or things I wanted to do. But it actually showed me like what I don't <laughs> want to do. So I took a quiz online and at the top of that list was like UX design. Then there was like writer, musician, artist. Thought those were really cool opportunities and things I actually care a lot about. But, you know, I wasn't, I couldn't be a broke artist uh, anymore. <laughs> 
So looked in UX design. That's when I discovered like, oh, wait, like this is the language of stuff I've been trying to do, like solving problems and creating um, solutions for, for people using technology. But it was more tangible than what I thought design was like coding, like in college. So fast forward to around, I would say maybe it's like summer 2019, where I was applying for UX roles after completing my design certification and working for two years at Toyota Lexus as a digital communications specialist. Uh, LinkedIn recommended the role of content designer or product content designer uh, at Intuit to me. And that was the first time I'd ever heard about content design. But through reading the job description, I'm like, okay, yeah, I know how to write. Like, I know how to match voice and tone. Like, I know UX design principles since I've just finished the certification. Let's go ahead and apply. And I applied. Intuit was the first company to give me a second round of interviews. And it's been a rocket ship ever since. And tell me what you're doing at Intuit now. So now at Intuit, I lead a content design team in the virtual expert platform. So our team is dedicated to building the internal productivity tools, our experts, whether they're accountants, uh, tax folks, or bookkeepers, use to serve Intuit um, customers, like who are either consumers or small businesses. So a lot of my role is you know, making sure my team is aligned to like high priority projects that content can really influence and and impact. And also just connecting the dots across all of our stakeholders to make sure we got shared meaning, we're using the same words, we know what the use cases are across the different business units and not just thinking about the language we use within those experiences, but making sure that the you know, teams across are using the same language to communicate to each other. So I actually just start would like to dig into the mechanics of that a little bit. We tend on the podcast to talk a lot about how folks who are working with content tend to work towards influencing, systematizing, evolving the role of content and content functions within an organization. Somehow that's where we always land. Mm -hmm. So what you just described sounds like a, a real combination of advocacy, education, ongoing alignment. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me a little bit about how you do those things? Absolutely. So when I started in this role in January of 2022, yeah, that's when I started. I basically did discovery, right? So the team had had content designers before, but it was kind of understaffed. So I asked, I'm like, okay, put, a t put together a survey, did some qualitative research to really start to understand the appetite or e even understanding of what content design is, how we worked with them before, and you know the perception of the need for content design. So I interviewed our designers, our PMs, even got some engineering feedback from folks in the organization. And taking that info, synthesizing it, I had some themes around, okay, folks think content designers are only about the writing or folks are including content designers throughout their process. So it was, it was good to see that but it was helpful for me to frame how I wanted to reintroduce my content design team to VEP or the virtual expert platform like organization. So that initial part 
of doing the research and creating frameworks around, hey, when we partner, here's how we work together. Like, think of us as strategic partners, include us in those conversations, look to us as like someone you can collaborate with, not just provide instruction to. But then when we consult, you have to bring a lot of that information to the table and be really specific with where you need our help so we can help you, whether it's in our office hours or we have an asynchronous channel where folks can, there's a template where folks can like add their information and then we kind of collaborate with them via that Slack thread. Yeah, so you said office hours. Can you describe what those are? Yeah, so office hours, we don't do content-specific office hours because our team is a part of... um, like, I guess the center of excellence where we have visual designers, content designers, and design technologists. Because as, as you know, and I'm sure your listeners know, is that like content isn't just one part of the experience. It's a part of the collective experience. So we host those uh, two hours a week, um, one for our international teams and another hour for our teams in the States where folks can sign up and get feedback from all three of those specialties and content is uh, is also one of the people um, or one of the functions in that space. And just to clarify, this is around design and content and, and code for the software as a service experience and product experience. Yeah. yeah. Yes, exactly. But it also okay. could be, it also like we've had folks bring in, like decks, like for example, like we do this end-to-end meeting every month and sometimes they need help with like the information architecture of it or like, hey, is this the right sort of framing for this meeting? So it, it does vary, but most of the time it is around like the UX experience. So one thing that you mentioned as well is that you spend a lot of time sort of helping to connect the dots. And that is a phrase that comes up over and over in conversation. Mm-hmm. And, and also in the consulting group that I do personally, where as, you know, these listening tours kind of is what you were talking about when you first landed in this role to, to pull together what is it that people are needing, where can we meet a need, how do I want to reintroduce the team, that Part of it is just discovering that what somebody else is doing that is completely interdependent with what someone else is doing over here, they have no idea that they're each working on that thing. How can you talk a little bit about when you when you think about yourself as a as a content design lead and connecting the dots, how do you kind of keep that communication and that alignment happening um, over time? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think it's something I'm still working on, like at least that overtime piece. But I think it's almost the nature of being uh, a content designer. So just like more context, there's three of us, three content designers, and we kind of have our zones where we work on. And because we work with multiple designers and multiple PMs, we're almost uniquely positioned to see the connections Whereas maybe the PMs or the designers are kind of focused on more of their like vertical, yeah, their vertical or like the specific feature set that they're working on. So I think the how is one, being present, asking questions, and two is is the relationship building between those. So like, do I have a functioning or a positive relationship with uh, the designers across the studio, as well as like the PMs 
and understand enough of the technical to have those conversations with the the product and dev folks as well. And then I'm thinking about like over time, how do we we build build that in? I don't know if I have a good answer. I'm just thinking like examples like, okay, we do design crit so I can ask those questions to the designers who are presenting, hey, have you considered working with this person around this, if that makes sense? Yeah, you've answered that question exactly. And and as you were talking through that, I was thinking, gosh, all right, you've got design, you've got tech, and you've got content at the table, co-presenting in, or holding these office hours. So people come and it's sort of like, even just by all of you being there in the same room, the folks that you're assisting begin to conceptualize experience design as requiring and needing all three of these things. Yep. Almost, you know, equally, really. That is a relatively unique setup within organizations today. And it's something I think the content strategists and designers everywhere are clamoring for. I have found that that... That sort of like manifestation of the experience design process mm-hmm. largely is directed by leadership. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about values at the leadership level that you see that you think are like helping to support that evolution? Absolutely. I think the buy-in from our senior leaders, like my VP of design for content to be a role um, is super important. And then also having that sort of reinforcement per se to like attend these opmex is not optional but almost like a requirement for being a designer in the studio is one and then i think at scale i just feel really lucky to be a part of the intuit content design community that folks like michael haggerty via kind of spearheaded and jennifer schmidt came in and like taught like the content strategy in of it and like tina o'shea is like still holding it down and holding that space for us to be seen as a valid craft um, is, is super important. I feel super lucky about that. And I would also say like one of my uh, like missions for my team is less about advocating to be at the table or advocating for content design, but actually like creating the table. I think, <laughs> I forgot her name. Uh, Relly said like, we are the table <laughs> ad button last year in other colorful language. Um, but yeah, really taking that and getting people to experience the value of content design. So they feel it when we're missing. Yeah, that's always that gap. Like it, I always say that like once design it's a taste of having content folks there from, you know, research on through design and iteration and testing. If that goes away, like the pain and the loss is palpable mm-hmm. and they usually become advocates for, you know, for that service. Absolutely. You mentioned that, that uh, Jen came in and taught content strategy. Can you just spend a minute, just because I think that organizations are still, and we will be for a long time, wrangling, you know, content strategy, content design, content marketing, UX writing. Mm-hmm. Can you just talk about specifically at Intuit when she came in to teach content strategy, what does that mean? Right. So I, I don't know. I, I don't want to like minimize she just came in to teach it. But when during my first year at Intuit, they put on um, this content strategy boot camp. So it was her and Sarah Mose, who's awesome and leads like our style council and like design systems and stuff. They put together this track 
of work. And people can check it out on contentdesign.intuit.com and just look for content strategy 101. And that was really good to get just like a baseline understanding that content design and content strategy aren't just the words or the outcomes at the end. But it's like, okay, what do you, when do you use an audit? Like, when do you um, think about taxonomy or uh, just giving more insight to the world of content was super helpful for me when I first started. And it's awesome that it's still here today, even though she's gone to do cool stuff at Spotify. I love that phrase, world of content, because as we wrangle with phrases like unified content strategy, enterprise content strategy, global content strategy, I think that those phrases are really trying to get at that core concept of content is really complicated Mm -hmm. and it's not, I mean, we always say it's not just the words, right? I mean, it is, there's design, there's the taxonomy, there's the structure, there's the governance that it's just, it's a very, very complicated beast. Mm -hmm. Um, So I just, I just love that phrase and wish that that's what we could formally call our uh, discipline. Um, (laughs) The world of Yeah. So, I'm going to totally switch directions here because as we were chatting before I hit record, I sort of asked what is really getting you out of bed in the morning and you immediately mentioned the role of content or or our role in content in generative AI, which I should have just led with it because everybody is going to want to fast forward to this part <laughs> once, once they hear about it. We have not had that topic on the podcast before, and I know it is top of mind in particular for so many, I think, content design leaders. I think that a lot of our writers are, you know, worrying if it's the apocalypse. And it's, I find that people are either completely doom and gloom or they're like, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. They still will need us. Mm-hmm. And that there's no real like in between. So I'm, I'm super interested to have you just sort of like talk a little bit about what's going on with you there. What are the questions you're being asked? What are the things you're digging into? Just hold forth a later in. Go for it. Here we go. All right. So yeah, Jenny, I kind of taking the world by storm. Um, a little bit. And some of the questions that I've been asked, not just myself, but uh, there's a group of folks within Intuit, too long to name, like the list is too long to name every single one of them. But the real question we're trying to provoke is like, how do we ensure our content standards, guidelines, and uh, like voice and tone are being applied to this new generated content? And there's a couple ways we've been thinking about this. My my initial thought is, one, we definitely need a human aspect of this. That's one thing. Two, that human can't go chasing around all the generated content that is being created across the ecosystem. It's just impossible. It's not going to work. So what's the technical application of that? And then three, like what is sort of this like training element of our workforce or like, you know, not workforce, but like, yeah, I guess it is the workforce, the designers, the PMs, the data scientists, even the content designers on like what these tools should be used for and still provide an empowering context for folks who um, work in the craft of content as well. So for that human element, there's been this, this concept of, okay, We know folks have been using tools like Writer. We've been using that at Intuit for a while. 
And that's been either generating content or at least just getting to know our voice and tone. And um, how do we use that tool, like scale the use of that tool? So folks who are writing long form articles or, you know, help content, it doesn't take them hours in a day, but it takes them like 15 minutes to maybe get to a good version one. Like, how do we scale those sort of use cases? So thinking about using Gen AI as a tool to like augment the uh, like productivity of um, folks who are writing content while freeing them up to like do other things, like do audits and do like strategy stuff and think more towards the future rather than be so heads down in writing things that Gen Gen AI might be really good at doing for them. From a technical perspective, there's some, there seems to be some opportunity to layer on what we've trained writer to do to the generative models that we're creating at Intuit to filter the generative um, generated responses through um, our voice and tone guidelines, our word checks, our, you know, anything. Like, but the big question here, Christina, is if something's good, does it just show up to the customer? If something's bad, where does that feedback loop go, right? Like, is there a new role who needs to pull a report or do they get it automated checks? Like, are they, are they like notified in real time? that these these types of generated content pieces have been flagged, I don't know. Like, then how does that get back into the model to say, hey, these are how the better ways to write this content? So that's like the technical world um, there. And then also, again, just building confidence and giving principles and reminding our content designers that this is a tool um, for you to use. And the tool won't replace you, but someone who's more effective with using the tool might be the one to replace you. The idea, I think, of prompt engineer is a is a new title that we've heard a lot about over the last couple of months. Yeah. How, yeah, are you all working on, you know, developing kind of those prompt writing skills? Is it just trial and error? What's happening there with your team? Yeah, so our teams are testing that a little bit. I don't even know. Like, I feel like it's just English. Prompt engineering just sounds so technical, but you're really just writing a paragraph. Like if you have like a subject, you have uh, like an action, you provide the context. Like, I don't know that prompt engineering or prompt designing is that unique of a skill set that is outside of the realm of like what content designers do already. Yeah, there's some folks like having discussions. There's a lot of stuff going on in that space, but I, my head's been less focused in that world and more focused in like, how do we scale the application of our style guide that we've already like put so much time and energy to? Yeah. So I'm kind of more up. Yeah, that, Does that make that sense? That is kind of one of the big, the big promises I think of 
AI within organizations, or at least it has been for a while, which is just to sort of almost automate the style guides so that it is just showing up as people are writing themselves, mm-hmm. you know, whether it is like a red flag or a prompt or a suggestion or so on. That I think is we've seen that really on a variety of tools uh, play out nicely. Mm-hmm. Of course, the the challenge there is uh, still process in my mind. Yeah. Like, if somebody is ignoring the style guide, what happens then? Does somebody have authority to, you know, push back and say, no, this can't go live? Is there, you know, if people have questions or exceptions to the style guide, where and who do they take those to? So I, I just see that there's still a lot of uncertainty around there and that one of the only ways that people have sort of tried to figure out how to control that is just almost by clamping down on authority of content ownership, which has its own uh, challenges and pitfalls as well. Absolutely. And I guess the caveat I should have said is all this is still provocation and still thoughts and really my point of view, not the point of view of the company on this. (laughs) sorry i should actually start off with do you agree that this is just the point of the company send that right over to legal it's fine the conversation is fine everything we're saying is harmless uh and do it as the best Uh, (laughs) um i have so this leads a little bit into um this other topic that we kind of wanted to touch on which is really talking about how the field of content design is evolving or how or where it should evolve. You know, we've been in conversation with a variety, you and I both have been in conversation with a variety of content design leads from uh, different different industries and products and so on. And there seem to be sort of like common concerns and common aspirations among among uh, this community of leaders. Do you want to talk a little bit about yours? Yeah, I think in just thinking about this generative space, I think content designers like evolve into leaders of this space, like as like the strategist of understanding like when do we apply this and when do we don't. I think. There's also this opportunity for content designers to evolve into more design leadership um, style roles as well, like not just being so focused and niche on content design, but I think having that depth of perspective, but be able to speak to research, be able to speak to visual, be able to speak to some of the technical and business aspects of it, like like we have that unique gift of storytelling and framing of information that may make us more influential in those roles. And then as far as, yeah, in the generative space, I just think there's just, that there's new roles that are emerging that we probably just don't even know exist yet. So like, how do we train uh, those models? Like how do we make sure the inputs or the, the information that, the data that's going into it is actually quality information and factual and like try to be free of bias. Like content designers can kind of be further up the funnel rather than living at the end in the sort of like fear or anxiety that this tool or this technology is going to replace them. Like how do you move up to the front end to influence what those outputs are 
at the back end, I think we're, we're uniquely positioned to do that. I really, the thing that you just said about kind of wielding our storytelling skills in order to, you know, build influence or even more importantly, lead. Mm-hmm. I wonder, can you talk a little bit about, actually, let me back up. When we talk about content design having, or content designers being able to evolve into more leadership roles within an organization, we're really there talking about within an experienced design organization who's leading product design and, yeah, and right. development. Mm-hmm. Um, so can you talk a little bit about how, what are the kind of the common characteristics then of leaders within those organizations or within, you know, those teams uh, in a company where, you know, whether or not you're design or engineering or content, there are some really, there's some commonalities that, that we share at that level that allow us to step into a leadership position mm-hmm. and whether it's values or skills. I mean, I definitely think storytelling is in there. Can you, can you talk a little bit? What do you think about that? Yeah. When I think about like, the things that have changed for me from going from like an individual contributor to like a design leader, I think, I still think about like the design and the experience and the customer problems that we're solving. But the level that I'm thinking now is like people process and technology. So from the people perspective, it's just like, okay, cool. Like who are the teams? Who are the folks that are on our teams? Like, how are, is their well-being? How are they, you know, the collaboration and the culture and the environment um, set up to make sure that people are able to succeed and thrive and have their th- the things they need uh, to be successful? When it comes to process, process is like, okay, how do we actually get the thing done? And is there um, opportunities to be more effective or efficient, like in those in those processes? And then technology aspect of it is things like new technologies, generative AI, whatever, that's like the topic, but also like, how do we use technology to solve um, some of those problems? And I think those three buckets is what ties like design leadership to design or to leadership in general. Like I think that's where that kind of ties all the crafts together um, in a sense. Yeah, I think that's kind of where my mind went for that. Uh, if you want to talk about like just skills, I think the storytelling one is good, relationship building for sure. And then a strong understanding of what, what the business goals are and understanding like what's in your sort of locus of control and realm of influence that you can have an impact towards it. One thing I've, I've realized is that like, okay, some of the things that I may be like gung-ho, passionate about it might be um, it might be super important, uh, but maybe the timing isn't correct, or maybe I didn't bring it up in the right meeting, or maybe I didn't, you know, have the right conversation with the right person. And I think sometimes you you just need to like learn that as you go. And yeah, I don't know. That's does that answer your question? Oh, that was gold. <laughs> that was great. That was amazing. Thank you so much. Um, we are, having said that, we are just about out of time. I wonder, can you, and I'm putting you on the spot here, but can you off the top of your head tell me, like, where are you, where are you finding conversation and inspiration, education around, around these topics that you're learning about and growing into? Yes. 
That is a great question. I think inspiration around these topics, I mean, the content design community is is awesome. I know uh, my girl Chelsea Larson just wrote something up about like Gen AI and content um, as it relates to the work they've been doing at Expedia. Um, I'm in a bunch of different content <laughs> channels, I guess like off the top of my head, the Tempo one, uh, Rachel McConnell runs that group, uh, the Manager Club, which Chelsea runs too, um, has been a good place. And honestly, like we just, a lot of smart people work it into it. <laughs> a lot of smart people work it into it and like been partnering with um, a content designer on our future, futures team, uh, Julia Folkowski and Patricia Sweeney. I hope I didn't ruin her name. Patricia, forgive me. Um, who've been really asking these like questions, like provocative questions and kind of just creating the space for inquiry. Um, so I guess I would encourage anyone who has interest in this topic. No one knows really what they're talking about. So keep asking the questions, keep having the conversations and really try to establish a point of view on this. And the last shout I want to give out to is like Morgan Quinn. Because I think when we met earlier this year, she's the one who really like unlocked the understanding <laughs> um, for me and like how these things are actually built to really lay the foundation to be able to like plug in and understand where those sort of points of influence should be uh, versus just being at the mercy of it taking over our lives. So listeners, Morgan Requin works at Google and um, I'm working on it. Hopefully we'll be <laughs> chatting with her soon. Just stay tuned. Terrific. Aladrian, where can folks find you online? Uh, you can find me on the internet. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. Feel free to hit me up. I'm on Twitter tweeting about ridiculous random stuff, sometimes content design, but mostly not. Um, my Twitter handle is Aladrian. N-O underscore L. Um, my middle name is Noel, but I also like the no L, like never lost, no lines, whatever. Um, and yeah, I'm on Instagram at Aladrian underscore Noel, N-O-E-L. So yeah, hit me up. Thank you so much for being with us, Aladrian. You're the very best. Yeah, this was fun. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for joining me for this week's episode of the Content Strategy Podcast. Our podcast is brought to you by Brain Traffic, a content strategy services and events company. It's produced by Robert Mills with editing from Bear Value. Our transcripts are from Rev.com. You can find all kinds of episodes at contentstrategy.com and you can learn more about Brain Traffic at braintraffic.com. See you soon.